0: Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you.
1: Good morning, Saints. Welcome to Bethel. Can we greet our streaming family right from inside the house? All of you. We're going to get you all together now. My God. Okay, okay. That's that's enough. That's enough. All right. You can sit down now. That's okay. Welcome, Warners. Hello, Debs. Hello. Whoever's watching, we welcome you in Jesus' name. We have no idea who you are, but God knows who you are. Mm. Just think about that. Oh, I've got a feast here. I'm putting a little pinch of salt. I put some ginger and a little uh, eye of newt. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke, too. All right. Welcome today. We are, we are on the threshold today, but thank God it is a breakthrough on the threshold. If you were with us last week, we looked at a breakdown on the threshold because sometimes we're in a quandary. We don't know if it's a breakthrough or a breakdown. And everybody said, Amen. But I can guarantee you, last week we pointed out a seminal principle, potted plants versus planted plants. And we're going to continue, and we're looking at the fact last week, I'm not going to re-preach it, but Jesus is carrying his hammer right now for the express purpose of breaking every pot, every stricture that has been limiting your God-made roots. Wouldn't you love him to answer all of your prayers, which includes bringing you liberty, relief, deliverance, transformation, and change? Of course. No, we wouldn't, because that implies he's going to break our pot, which is our place of security and absolute control. And guess what? The dirtiest word in the Christian mouth is change. (gasps) Why don't they do rap songs saying, change, 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 mother, change, because that's a dirty word. (laughs) We want everything managed and contained, and we want to remain in control. Well, the good news is you're not in control. The bad news is you're not in control ever you have a perception of that you're deceived in that perception we looked at potted plants and and we looked at the fact that that egypt was a pot for ancient israel it was a season where their roots were constricted but notice when potted plants finally get the pot broken then for the first time their god-made group, roots can touch the god-made ground and that's when the transaction happens The transaction of Isaiah chapter 37. And they what? They took root downward and bore fruit upward. The remnant right now in the world are experiencing an interesting thing. God is breaking the pots on all potted plants remember the potted plants they're high maintenance They don't bear fruit. They go everywhere. They grow nowhere and they literally while in the pot Experience the circularity of the root bound Condition where they're eventually going to die unless the roots The God made roots hit the God made ground there will never be fruit and here's an interesting thing I'm, I'm just going to start with this gleaning ready all God's promises in your life are given to you in your potted season. All performances and fulfillments of God's promises happen in the ground. Hmm? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Loved one, the temple of Solomon was a pot. And it wound up containing mostly dead religious people that God needed to reject all their offerings. The synagogue itself during the time of Jesus was a pot in a way. And Jesus did enter the synagogue. He had a custom of that. But notice, he didn't spend all of his time in the temple and the synagogue because those were pots. Those were areas where his mob that he wanted, the folk he wanted, weren't allowed in. Isn't it funny? A religious (laughs) church or a structure or temple can become a pot for potted plants and they wouldn't let the mob in the rabble yeah the marginalized men women boys and girls who are broken and who are thirsty and who are hungry the wounded who need a physician are not allowed in the temple pot but it is a glorious pot isn't it she's got a lovely pot hmm wonder where she got that pot you know there's an envy that that God has to deal with. Did you know you're on the brink of having your roots planted for the first time, which is going to draw envy from all the other potted plants, but they never call it what it is. They dress it up like the church ladies, that 18 year old walked in. They go, I don't like her spirit. I don't think it's her spirit. You don't like honey. What you don't like is you never look that good at 18. You're never, ever going to look that good, even in your glorified, resurrected body. And that is not spiritual discernment. I don't like her spirit. I don't think it's her spirit. Just say I'm as envious as hell, and I wish I looked like that at one point, and in my fantasies I still do, but ugh. And confess it. Call it what it is. Call Bible things by Bible names. If you call a cat a dog and a dog a cat, you'll confuse some people. Use Bible. Say, "I'm envious. That pot is so gorgeous, and the diamonds, and just the way it fits those roots." Just confess, I'm envious. Call it what it is. Because when you begin to flourish in this next season, the next threshold of your life is not break down. The breaking of the pots is break through. Oh, think of the image. All the promises, you have a lifetime of prophetic promises. I have 4,000 prophecies in that closet right there, and if any one of them comes true, I'm the next Pope of Rome. Okay, good for you. Those are all given in your pot. Amen. Pots full of promises. But here's here's the, could sound like the downside, none of them are going to be fulfilled as long as you're still living in that pot. With the limits, the restrictions, and the man-made corral around your roots, you are going nowhere with regard to fulfillment. You've heard me say it a million times. God's fulfillments are always greater than his promises. The promises are the headline, but the headline comes in the pot. Well, I have a lot of prophecies rolled up, including those Chinese prophecies. I got it when when I was at the Restaurant, I know you. Yes, I know you. You opened your fortune cookie and his fortune cookie and all the atheist fortune cookies till so you got the one you wanted by the one the one I wanted is in my wallet right now I think it said something like you're so kind to others. And I thought hey, I'm keeping this uh, word of the Lord every rolled up fortune cookie is in your pot but the fulfillments of the promises are going to happen when the pot is completely broken, destroyed, and your God-made roots for the first time hit the God-made ground now like jack and the beanstalk Your roots will take root downward, and you will bear fruit upward at a jack and the beanstalk rate. But if, I, if I'm planted tomorrow, it's going to take 500 years for me. Not when the Holy Ghost, remember Jesus, turned the water into wine, happens all the time. Rain comes down, goes into the ground, goes up into the roots. The grapes are produced, and then you go through the process, and it's one. Jesus just speeded it up a little bit. What's the problem? Five loaves and two fishes. Happens all the time. Rain comes down, goes up into the roots, produces the grain. The grain is taken, goes through a process, it becomes bread. Fish uh, get in the water, and they produce over time. And Jesus just speeded it up a little bit. Can't he? Aren't there some benefits to being the God-man, fulfillment of all messianic prophecy? Uh, I must keep moving. I'm like Lincoln. <laughs> keep moving. That's how he got it. So I'm going to keep moving today because I've got so much to cover. But did you know, beloved, right there, that's worth the offering right there, isn't it? All the promises have come in your pot. though the fulfillments are when the pot is broken. And so here we are. We're just We keep praying for things whose answers alone are when our roots are planted. We're potted when we pray all these. Oh, you don't know the prayers I prayed before God. Oh, when I was 16. God, use me like anyone in my generation. Use me above anyone else in my generation. Oh, no. Surgeon General warning prayers. I call them. You ever prayed something stupid like that? Use me to the utmost, Lord. And he goes, the angels are going, oof, oof. And I'm like, what, what? And God says to me, yes, Craig i will grant your prayers yes all right but the fine print but it'll take 50 years what it'll take 50 years get behind me devil it'll take 50 years come out shut up! <laughs> have you ever done that in your pot <laughs> After your prayers and your little will was frustrated, or you got a little bit hurt, or, oh, my, your expectations were failed. Oh, you were prophesied something on Monday, and it didn't happen by Friday. What a wicked God. He's so mean. How could a loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God frustrate Craig for a week? <laughs> I renounce my faith in becoming a Buddhist. Okay, that's most of the body of Christ right now, by the way, so the Buddhist temples are going to be flooded. Why? Because you didn't get your way. Oh, I thought Jesus was Lord. It was just, I don't know. It's my blick. Caleb, who is he? Oh, my God. He waited for how many years? 45 years. He's 40 when he gets his initial promise. And now what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the difference between potted plants and planted plants, but just get the mental picture, the roots are out of the pot. They're free, finally, to go where they're meant to be. You see an acorn. You can eat an acorn. You can make a piece of jewelry out of it. Do you like my necklace? Well, that's gorgeous. What is that? It's, it's a magnificent acorn. Or you could plant it in the ground and as aristotle said its entelchy its intended purpose will be fulfilled and there's going to be an oak tree unlike anything you've ever seen once it gets put where it's supposed to be well i think i'll just eat the seed here that we've gotten out of the harvest and i'm going to put some in a ring and in a crown setting and look at the br- look at look at all the seed in my bracelets you're not supposed to eat it and display seed, you're to plant it in the ground. Remember Jesus said, unless the seed goes in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if you get it out of a dry earthenware pot and you put the seed, it isn't a collectible. I actually have seeds from a Pharaonic tomb. And you know what? You can still plant them, 3,000 years old. You can still put them in the ground where they belong. They don't belong in a tomb. That's a pot. Defeat Pharaoh in the afterlife is like, how's that going? What the gods can eat will not rot in the belly of a slave. Charles Aznavour in the Ten Commandments. Simon, so sorry, I got a lot of movie references floating around. And 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 the leadoff to this sermon would be. On my signal, unleash hell. Because right now you're going to get so many arrows thrown at you and spears. You're not going to know what will fight in the shade. That's another one. We're going to see Caleb, our hero. Caleb, who is on the threshold, and now we're going to see that they they've crossed the Jordan. They've gone. They've circumcised the, all of the uh, the the ones born in the wilderness. Uh, they've eaten the first Passover, and it says the day they ate of the first corn, the new corn of the land, the manna ceased within 24 hours, beloved. Because I want you to see the image. Once they went into Canaan, their pots were broken after that circumcision. Remember anything that's covering us and buffering between us and God has got to be cut off. It's got to be shorn like a sheep wool coat and thrown away. God is removing anything that would become the buffer between the God-made foot and the God-made ground, God-made roots and the God-made ground. Now, in principle, you say, amen. Woo! This is deep. Hold on now. (laughs) Getting your pot broken And getting those nasty roots that have been so oppressed for so long, stuck in the God-made ground, I think you're going to need a little time to meditate and just be quiet for a while. Did you know sometimes we forget that when we're talking, we're not learning? I think it was a mercy that God took Zechariah's voice for nine months, 12 months total. That was John the Baptist's daddy, because if that fool would have kept talking, he would have dug up his destiny, his son's destiny, his wife's happiness. Sometimes it's time to shut up, just for, just while, till the baby's born. (laughs) I think Elizabeth said, thank you, Gabriel, for shutting him up. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want to give you a (laughs) prayer. Yeah. Do you remember that we talked about Caleb's threefold convergence? Where was it? It was in the city of Hebrew. Caleb is God's dog, God's loyal, faithful dog. Caleb, well, that's his name. And he was loyal and he was faithful and he finished well and he was a slave, the Bible says, in Egypt. If you want to know who this man was, you you have to be reminded. Here's my notes. There we are. That's my second set of backup notes if I happen to go this way. And I am currently going this way. Who was Caleb? He was a witness. He was a witness. He was a witness of everything that happened in ancient Israel. The Bible says that he was a slave in Egypt, so he made bricks without straw. This was his personal experience. For 40 years he wandered, 14,600 days, 2,080 weeks, 43,200 straight meals. He was eating manna, that survival food with no seed in it. He watched everything. He was in Egypt when the blood was released upon Pharaoh in Exodus 7, and the false gods, Canum and Hopi. Osiris were, were shown to be impotent. He saw the frogs in Exodus 8, another slight against the Egyptian god Hapi and Heket. He saw the gnats in Exodus 8, the destruction of Seth, the earth god. He saw the flies and the gnats. Watch it. This was the false goddess that was supposed to stop flies. God said, where is she? He watched from inside all the signs, all the wonders and he had first-hand experience in Goshen of what God was doing, and yet he was faithful, and the scripture says that he saw the livestock curse. This, this Egyptian god Ptah and Menivas was destroyed. He saw the boils appear on the Egyptians in Exodus 9, the destruction of Sechmet and Imhotep, He saw the hail come down, which was the destruction in Exodus 9 of the goddess Nut, Isis, Set, and Shu. He saw the locusts come, which stopped Serapia, the false god of stopping locusts. God says, where's she? This is irony. God didn't just remove his people. He judged all the false gods on the way out, showing they were impotent. So this was a really insulting season, but our Caleb was a front row witness of all of this. He saw the darkness, Exodus 10, the judgment of Ra, Amun-Ra, Aten, Atum, and Horus, and he saw the death of the firstborn, which was the slight against Pharaoh himself, who claimed to be Ra on earth. And after watching this, he went through the Red Sea. He walked across on dry ground. He participated a few days later in Mara when the waters were bitter and the people said, kill Moses, let's go back to Egypt. Oh, for the flesh pots of Egypt. And he remained faithful at Marah. And he saw God provide and change the bitter water to clean water. And he drank water from a flinty rock. That's 1,080 boxcars of water a day in the will. He drank from the flinty rock. He was a first-hand witness. He saw the pillar of cloud. He saw the pillar of fire. He ate the manna. He was at Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were given with one hand, the law no one can keep, and and the ceremonial law was given with the right hand of the sacrificial system in the tabernacle. He watched God provide through all the wealth of Egypt that they had come out with in order to make all the pieces of redemptive furniture for the tabernacle He saw this firsthand. He lived through this. He watched all of the murmuring in the wilderness. He fought the Amalekites himself. He watched 100 funerals a day for 40 years. That was 603,548 fighting men wiped out because they would not believe. He stood as one voice against the majority of his culture and he shouted them down in the name of the truth of God. And God said he has another spirit, my Caleb. He, in the pot of Egypt, is my baby. In the pot of the wilderness, eating manna, he's my boy. And the scripture says that at Kadesh Barnea, Caleb, when he was 40, saw Mount Hebron. He saw the ground his roots would one day flourish in, and he said, that is is my mountain, the mountain possessed by giants that all were possessed by spiritual powers. It was the greatest spiritual warfare area in the world, and Caleb said at 40, "Mm, when I get out of my pot, just plant me there. He had an impediment. You didn't know that. When I get out of my pot, heavy sea. Oh, oh, kicking in. That was for Daniel. Caleb says, "When I get out of my pot, that is where." And by the way, you know, I'm just little. I'm throwing this away. This is a gleaning. I'm just throwing gleanings down. I can't pursue. But you know, Hebron, his chosen place. That's where Ishhol was. That's where the fruit. That's where the pomegranates were as big as basketballs. This little dog's mama didn't raise no fool. He said, when I get out of this pot, my God made roots are going to kiss the God made ground. It's like, calm down, Caleb. We thought you were talking about Angelina Jolie for a minute. Just calm down. No, no. All of his passions were pure. All of his passions, all of his lusts were focused on one thing. This pot will be broken after 38 years, and I'm going to, and God himself said, everywhere your foot has touched, Eshkol, little spy, the Mount, Hebron, and everything it represents, that is the ground where your roots are going to Flourish. His heart flutters. He's in love with the Lord. He has a passionate relationship with God. Do you? Do you love him? Do you crazy? Is he everything you need? Is he all? You see, we always have as much God as we want. We do. Well, I just have enough. I'm fine. Thank Thank you. Just move on. Move on to the next point. Yeah. God loves me, and he's in love with me. That's awkward. So let's move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But see, that's why Caleb had another spirit. That's why he stuck out, because he was romancing God. I'm my beloved's, and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Caleb had that, and that entire generation died in the wilderness, and only Caleb, Joshua, and Moses. Miriam's dead. Aaron's dead. Now Moses is dead. And In the story, it's Caleb and Joshua. It's like, hey, buddy. Are you feeling okay? Because if you go, I'm alone in my pot. I'm alone. Come on, kids. See, this is why the youth streams in here. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Going to heavy sea, and there's a whole new offering level we're going to hit here. Beloved, he saw the molded gold of Aaron's idol and opted to obey God for the beaten gold that would appear in the tabernacle. This man was a witness of everything. And yet all of his promises were made to him in the pot. But he maintained faithfulness in the pot. And we must maintain our faithfulness too. Because you have your Hebron. That means the ground you are destined to be planted in is going to bring all the answers. You know another thing about all the promises God gives are in the pot, but their fulfillment is in the ground? That's a little frustrating when you first hear it. <laughs> it's like, oh, excuse me, i moved into a pot that we're, the church is now paying for. It's the size of the teal mall. I thought that might make God move. No, no, he's not into pots at all. He's breaking them. Don't try to get a bigger pot. And if we put gold, now hear me out, and we're going to put all the 12 tribe, tribal names with their actual birthstones. Hear me out. And then our pot will be exotic and we can... De- no. Pots are obsolete. Pots are on the way out. It's a paradigm shift. Do you remember the paradigm shift in the watch world? 80% of all watches were made in Switzerland because they were perpetual motion. And overnight... That paradigm shifted, and those people were too stupid to buy the technology they scoffed at. And overnight, they lost everything. You know, paradigm shifts can happen in such a way that what's valuable, Pastor Rick used to tell the story, what if you're in a culture that values bronze? Bronze this, bronze that. That's the uh, that's the currency. Okay, great. And you got all this bronze, but there's this weird old wacky guy or gal that's been down by the river, and they've been picking up for years these specks that look like gold color, look like yellow. You know, he's there's something wrong with him. He's too eccentric. I, I just don't. You know, she's a little weird. She's always bowing down and, you know, probably to some false idol. And she's picking up all these specks, and they look weird. And they don't look anything like bronze. And I don't know. Well, guess what? There's a paradigm shift overnight, and the bronze standard is dropped, and the gold standard is in. Guess who the wealthiest person on earth is? The extraordinarily handsome middle-aged guy down there by the river girls. Yeah, I always knew. Yeah, you... <laughs> God's about to switch things up and it's going to be a paradigm shift so clear and so obvious that whoever was the cats meow monday is gone on tuesday <laughs> I used to minister at a ministry place and they sort of let me go and they didn't tell me and I showed up one day and the lights were off and somebody r- jokingly called me Craig Gonson He is so gone <laughs> Do you see that overnight when the pots are broken, all bets are off as to what's valuable, what you want to collect, what you're investing in. It's like pots, you know, and there's going to be one, uh, some Holy Ghost fat cats that just invested all the church's money in pots. Yeah, let me tell you what, let me tell you what, the futures are earthenware pots, okay? Uh, The Lord told me just this morning when I was in the toilet, that you are to put all your money on the pot, and in one day, the pot market drops and your stock is worthless, but we are at a divining line where you're going to see here people screaming because they're of loss, tears wept over loss and brokenness, and the tears of joy of God's people who finally got their pot broken, and they're finally going to find their destiny. And it, and it doesn't come through a man or a woman or money or anything this world has to offer. It comes from your beloved Lord, who, as with Caleb says, my baby's roots are going there in Hebron. And let's catch it, for 40 years, no one was allowed to take custody of Hebron. It's full of giants that are possessed of devils. God wouldn't let any deliverance ministry come in. And oh, they come into town, don't they? Hi, the Lord sent me from Wisconsin to L.A., and I'm here to reach the movie community, and that's what the Lord, and I'm going to open my church in Malibu, the graveyard of preachers. (laughs) You little white boy, you God sent here. Now, my roots have been in the ground here for 55 years, and you're gonna Sweep in. Now, I don't want to be cynical. I'm always affirming and I always believe the best in everyone. But two plus two is not five. Never was, never will be. Yeah. Uh huh. And I, I don't say anything. I just go, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. So, okay. How many of you know that if you, if, if, where God plants you is where you're going to take root downward and bear fruit upward? But it's jack and the beanstalk roots. And fruit. I have to encourage you. I don't want to depress you. You know, <laughs> Pastor Rick used to say, Good news and bad news. He said, Good news, Craig, your wife is on the way. Bad news, she's 12. <laughs> Aren't we a little bit too long in the process to want to have to raise a baby blessing in our life? I'm too tired. I'm not holy. I'm just old. It's like, please, I cannot. I cannot raise another child. But did you know as God did with Adam and Eve... Adam named everything for everyone, but he's, to him it was just, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. I know what that is, but what, what do you need, Adam? I don't know. And God put a deep tardema on him, a deep sleep, and put him out, did some surgery, grabbed a rib, and he woke up, and God walked Eve right up to him, and he said, whoa, man, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Ah, you can. God can use you to name things for everyone on the planet with your great prophetic insight while you go home starving to death and empty because you don't know what it is. You know what it isn't. That's not him. Not him. No, no, no. Why? Not her. Why? I don't know. But what do you want? It's like a teenager. They know they're not their mom. They're not their dad. They're not their aunt. They're not their, but they don't know what they are. And they don't know what they want, right? Well, you're just not meeting my needs. And and I just, I just, I'm not fed. And do you eat at home? Pastor used to tell his father. We're leaving now. We're just not fed anymore. Do you eat at home? Because if you expect me to eat your food, digest your food, and poop it out for you, I that that's putting me in much too high a place in your spiritual life. And at that, we'll move on. Um, Amen. <laughs> Gretchen. Thank God Gretchen's in the house. Who loves Gretchen? Well, that was underwhelming. Uh we uh yeah, the Warners are shouting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Shout. Boys, shout, bun, shout. <laughs> <laughs> Now let me get let me get to the actual notes for today. You do. Lord help your precious, well-intentioned lamb. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm completely. I got this message in hand. <sighs> Once more the remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. Isaiah thirty seven thirty one. Listen to Deuteronomy 11:10 through 16. The land you were entering. Listen, listen little potted plants. The land you're going to put your roots in for the first time. God had to warn his people because they were so used to the pot of Egypt. They were so used to flat land. They were so used to monotony. They were so used to having pump, having to pump with their foot to irrigate canals they had to build by their own sweat to to take the overflowing Nile and to manage it. And God said to them in flatland, you know, there's no mountains or valleys in Egypt. They're just man-made mountains, pyramids, Hmm? man-made, beautiful, breathtaking and all about them, but they don't hold a candle to the unhewn stoned altar with blood that Abraham built before the Lord. Man-made things are breathtaking, but we know we're moving from man-made to God-made things, beloved. God's moving us from the pot of Egypt. Where? He had to tell his people. He had to prep them because they had no mental reference for where they were going. All they knew was flatland. All they knew was humping and pumping and working, and for the little water they got. And God said, I'm sending you, my precious ones. I'm sending you. The land you're entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come where you planted your seed and you irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commandments I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains the early and latter rains, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine, olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Someone say, amen. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, it does. But that's the new land. That's in Canaan. God says, I'm sending you to a new land you have no mental picture of. I'm sending you into a new phase of your life that you will not have a mental pain. No one has ever been there before. Let me just say as an aside right now, can I prophesy? You've never been here before. Where are you going, smart aleck? I studied the history of revival and history from all time until now, and I have never have you seen what's coming. Well, I don't know about that. History repeats itself. Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. From now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. Hmm. They are created now. And not long ago. You have not heard of them before today, so you cannot say, yes, I know of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Do you love those people? Yeah. Yeah, I knew a guy. When you talk to me, he'd go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what you think that either means? I know everything you just said, and you're a stupid idiot, and you have nothing to teach me, or it means he has a tick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wound up he had a tick. He was as dumb as a stump, but he had this, like, a countenance of wisdom when he when he nodded his head. That you could misread, and we all did. <laughs> Clueless people should not be the people speaking prophetically into your life right now. That's another gleaning. But it's my best friend. Get a new best friend. This is a time when God's removing friends and bringing new ones. He's removing people who are constituents and comrades and are not confidants. That's a part of the new ground. You see, Caleb was promised Hebron. That's where you're going to be planted, son. Woo! And they're pomegranate-sized there there's fruit, there's olives, there's fresh water. It was known, Hebron was known as the fruitful place on the planet. Honey, oh, God said, this land is not, you're not going to have to hump and pump this by the sweat of your brow. This land will flow. How many of you need, finally, something that'll flow? Even you study the Bible like, ah, I've got mental kinks. Now what does that mean? Let me get to the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And the How about flow? How about flow? I remember being at the Gary Smalley couples conference where the guy said, wives need 12 meaningful touches a day. And the husband turned to his wife and went, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No. Well, I mean, it's the most he's tried ever, so yay you. Yeah. Do do you see the difference between folk who get it and and, and absorb it and move on with it and get in the flow? This new land is going to flow. First time in your life. No, I flowed once in 1979. Yeah, well, (laughs) okay. You've been somewhat of a flux in the body of Christ. We all know that, but uh, different kind of flow. Okay, let's move on. Listen now. Listen now. Joshua fifteen thirteen and fourteen. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb the son of Jephunneh a portion in Judah, Kiryat Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Enoch. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Shishai, Ahamin, and Telmai, the sons of (laughs) Enoch. All right. Okay, Craig, God's breaking my pot. I'll allow him to do it. Whether you allow him to do it or not, the pot's being broken. Well, what if I don't agree? Ooh. I remember when my three-year-old used to try to order me around. Stop, daughter, I'll kill you. It's like <laughs> we found video, family video of Grant, my son Bub. Whew. We got video, we got video of him manifesting a demon. It's oh it's Brooke plays it over and over. We've looped it. She's filmed it on her phone. I'll show it to you off camera. Where he goes, Daddy, can I stay up a few more minutes? No. And his sister's right next to him. You know, she's like two. And she touches one of his toys, and he goes, and he's, uh, I'll show you later. See, you don't even know what's still in you yet until your pot's broken, and someone really rocks your boat. This is America, bless God. Nobody tells me what to do. Jesus is Lord until we disagree with him, right? Good. And all the church in the world said, amen, hallelujah. All right, all right. Now, what I want to do, and uh, this could be viewed uh, negative or positive, but I'm going to right now dial myself down a little bit because I'm going to finish all of this today. So I'm going to call a Eutychus Band. Do you remember Eutychus? He's the guy that fell asleep in the window when Paul was preaching, fell and died, And Paul had to go down and raise him from the dead. I'm calling a eudicus band right now. Amen. Can you give me a little bit of time? Actually, whether you like it or not, that was just pleasantry. (laughs) God said, I'm sending you to a land of hills and valleys. It's not going to be monotonous and boring like your pot has been. You don't have to pump with the foot. You don't have to dig canals. And notice he says, the land, Canaan, it's yours. It's your land. It's your planting place. It's your place where you will experience fruit beyond your comprehension. And guess what? You don't need to look for water. I'm going to bring it. And you're going to, for the first time, have vistas you've never seen. Hills and valleys, what does that mean? There was no mental picture. That's like when people prophesy about what God's about to do. If you have a mental picture of it, it's false, straight up, throw it away. Yeah, but I felt, you felt. There is no mental picture of what comes beyond limited metaphors, and they're all wrong. we got too many fingerprints on our blueprints. God said, could you, as he told Moses with great respect, shut up, stand still and see the salvation of the lord for the egyptians you're used to you will never see again he had to tell moses to shut up it's not warm read the hebrew shut up anybody hearing this from shut up because you're not learning when you're talking stand still quit chain smoking in your pot going everywhere i'm gonna go over here the lord send me here the lord send me here well when you don't have a pot you can't do that anymore if we put your roots on the ground and not even plant them you're going to be doing this new dance move. This is what we did in the 80s, along with White Man's Overbite. <laughs> what was that? But the pizza, what, one of those moves. <laughs> yeah, make the pizza. But yeah, okay. See, that's the dance you do when your roots are no longer in the pot, and you can't go to uh, Cincinnati, and you can't fly to Minnesota, and, and everybody's going to say in those places you've been going, thank God. What happened to him?" What happened to her? She's out of the pot. Thank you, Jesus. There's a season in the pot where you go everywhere, but there's a season when the pot is broken that you are to grow everywhere else you go the rest of your life. Maybe a little bit slower, but you're a little more sane when you reach out and touch something. Amen. (laughs) You know, the difference between me at 63 and me at 16 is I have a skosh more wisdom now than I did then. And I wouldn't go back. Now, if we could do the Benjamin Button thing and start at 100 and go back, I maybe. Remember the movie Benjamin Button? If you haven't seen it, go see it. I don't know why I wept through that whole movie. I went through two boxes of Kleenex watching that. Don't know why. You know, songs or movies or something will hit you sometimes in places. And I think it was just the the idea of the ideal. What if I could know everything I have now, wisdom-wise, and maybe be 30? And God went, no, Craig. So, <laughs> because I want the world blessed and saved and not utterly destroyed. Okay. Now, what I want to do, uh, we, we'll leave the notes to the end. I, 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 I revisited the eight points about potted plants, and, and I refreshed it. When we mentioned the negatives of the potted plant with the positives of the planted plant. By the way, that's Daniel Chu at work. This is Daniel anything good is of Daniel, the sword of the Lord and of Daniel. Amen. So we'll get to that last because I want to, I want to focus on Hebrew for the Hebron for the next few minutes, if I could. What's Hebron? (laughs) What is the nature of the ground Caleb is about to touch? What is the nature of the holy ground of Hebron that he's about to touch with his holy roots? I want you to hear this historically, but I want you to hear this prophetically for you. Oh, little ones, my little Calebs and Calebettes, you're about to come to Hebron. What What is Hebron? Oh, what is the name we refer to as Hebron? First of all, Hebron was an ancient city. Did you know the Bible says it is one of the most ancient cities in the history of the world? It says of Hebron that it was built seven years before Zohan in Egypt. What is Zohan? That's not Adam Sandler in the Israeli film. Zohan, bleep that Mike. no, no, don't. Zohan was situated on one of the eastern branches of the Nile near Lake Menzala. It was the early royal residence of Pharaohs. And it, it, the name means flatland. And guess what happened in Zohan? Why does Caleb want Hebron? <laughs> Listen to Psalm seventy-eight, twelve. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zohan. Ooh. This is where all those ten plagues that Caleb witnessed happened. Ooh, so Hebron, the first whiff of Hebron is the power of God beyond belief with a mention of Zohan. By the way, this is an ancient city a little bit even older than Psalm 78, 42, and 43. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy how he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zohan. Notice, parenthetically, Zoan is mentioned with Hebron. Why? Because this is going to be the mountain Caleb has longed for all of his life, but it has such a spiritual pedigree of meaning. Just just put your seatbelts on. So it's ancient, right? Also, it was the second holiest site in all of Israel. Next to Jerusalem, Hebron was it. What does it mean? It means union, uh, communion, um, friendship. So it's ancient. It's holy. Secondly, Abraham moved to Hebron. The Bible says when Lot left him, his poor nephew, who who, who was bringing a curse to his life, has God been divorcing people, places, and things from your life that have weighed you down, weighed your little balloon down to the Wizard of Oz, and you haven't been able to take off. Remember? And they have to cut the ropes to get whatever's left of your helium to lift you up and out. Well, Abraham, uh, through codependency, took on his little nephew, Lot, and Lot brought dissension. Remember, there are people who know God and people who know people who know God. People who know God are altar builders. People who know people that know God are tent builders that lean on your altar. Lot didn't build altars of his own, but he leaned on Abraham's altar, and the Bible says he had to separate Abraham from Lot before He could go to Hebron and find his destiny. So if there's any person, place, or thing we need to cut off in order to soar, let him go. It's not even a bondage anymore. It's like, here's your hat. What's your hurry? God bless you. (laughs) Like Groucher's old song, hello, I must be going. Hello, 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 I must be going. You need to give the walking papers to the person, place, or thing that is weighing you down. And someone said, ooh. Abraham moved to Hebron. Who is Abraham? The friend of God. And what did he do at Hebron? First, after leaving Lot, he finds Hebron and he builds an altar before the Lord. And it was right there that God revealed the land that would belong to him and his ancestors. Hebron is a holy place. You get it? It's holy ground. What did God tell Moses? Take off your shoes for you are standing on. Holy ground. He's not going to tell you to take off your shoes and step into a new age puddle of leeches. He's going to tell you, I will only break your pot and remove your shoe when you are actually not going to die. Because the devil tells you, if I ever lose this pot, I lose all control, I don't know what's going on, and I'm going to die. No, you're not. If I ever start crying, I'll never stop. No, you won't. It's not true. It's time to let all those tears up. God will not... Look at Christ. Our precious Lord, the night of his betrayal, what does he say to Peter and the disciples after the Passover? He goes to wash their feet, and he says, what I do now you will only understand later. And he, with his, the God-man's hand, removed the man-made shoes from their feet to touch the God-made foot of each of them. He even washed the feet of Judas. Whoo, that's an intimate approach. And Peter was so awkward, You know, most God's servants are wholly awkward with regard to intimacy, affection, attention. It's just like we're all broken, abused kids, right? When Jesus gets so close and he removes the shoe, something like Peter had, you know, it's like, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. So Peter said, my nose and my eyes and my ears wash all of me. (laughs) He goes, no, no, I just need to put my God made hands on your God made feet, sweetheart so that the walk you have the rest of your life is going to mean something and you're going to go in the right direction. Someone say amen right now. See, he's removing man-made things however ornate, however beautiful. I got this at Saks and it matches my one eye. Look at the bag and look at my eye. Isn't that great? Who told you that? The woman who sold it to me for $3,000. Oh, she said it matched your eye. Abraham moved to Hebron because he was God's friend and he had an intimate relationship and he built that altar and he poured his life out and so Hebron becomes triply sacred. Next, Hebron was the second holiest place next to Jerusalem. Next, Hebron belonged initially to the Hittites. Listen, remember our teaching? There's the Melchizedek factor, general revelation, right? Starry heavens about moral law within. There's the Abrahamic factor, which is special revelation, the Bible. And remember, we have Abraham and he's in the valley and he runs into Melchizedek and the king of Sodom, two Canaanites. But one, Melchizedek, he acknowledges is of God and he receives the blessing and the bread and the wine. And he, in turn... The Bible says even the priestly future in his loins bowed before Melchizedek. Melchizedek represents those men, women, boys, and girls who are outside the box, and we usually relegate them as suspicious. The Syrophoenician woman, naming the Syrian. Remember the disciples found a guy casting demons out in Jesus' name, and they said, we forbade him. And Jesus said, why? <laughs> because he followed not with us. Most Christian folk don't recognize God at work when he's working. I had a preacher who used to say, that man wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if he walked up to him wearing a red hat. <laughs> the Hittites, the Melchizedek factor, here we are. The pagan Hittites, oh, the Hittites, I will deliver you from the Hittites and the Osmanites and the Bangites and the Dizdites and the Bidites. And the, the people who originally owned this holy ground were what we would call pagan folk, but they were allies of Abraham and they had love for him. They had respect for him. And Abraham dwelt with them in peace. Don't just throw people out because they're of the Melchizedek priesthood. Don't. Just dismiss people because they don't believe everything you do the way you do, when you do, how you do, that you do, when you do, and you're wrong. You never consulted that. (laughs) Henry Cloud talks about the difference between you having a problem and you having a pattern. You know, well, Susie was not affectionate, and Betty just didn't ever contribute anything, and Liz was just a narcissist. Maybe the only common denominator in all your bad relationships is you. (gasps) But see, as long as Sally is your problem, you have a problem. We know you have a pattern. And right now, God is going through the body of Christ and is saying, excuse me, no, they're not all wrong. You don't have a problem. It is a man, woman, boy, girl, a better break, my family of origin, if only, if I could do it. No, no, you have a pattern that you won't recognize. Because when it's a problem, you can put it out there as an enemy and shoot it down, right? (laughs) Jimmy didn't love me, and Steve was rude, and Paul didn't have any money, and hmm, hmm. maybe you have a pattern. Not a problem. You just take that gleaning, please take that gleaning. <laughs> <laughs> he quit the preaching and going to Medlin. <laughs> so the Hittites were the allies of Abraham. So, so he see holy ground. God will do incredible things on holy ground, including allowing unholy people on it for a season of time. Did you know all things work together for the good of those that love God? All good things, all bad things, all horrible things, all pornographic things, all destructive things, all things. There's demons in Hebron. And there were demons in Luz, too, that later became Bethel. And there were demons on the threshing floor of Aruna, where the uh, Holy of Holies would be at the Temple of Solomon. And guess what? God is not intimidated by demonic powers that have no roots and cannot root themselves anywhere. They are just swept off with your broom. That's all you need to do. We're going to find out that when Caleb put his roots in Hebron, what was it? He just walked on the ground, and all the giants left. You know, you're expecting a battle, right? You're expecting, <whistles> Hebron. Who told you, you know, oh, I messed my pants. Who told you that is spiritual warfare? You know what? If you have spiritual authority, demons know it. They leave. They t- Here's my hat. What's my hurry? They leave. Remember? <whistles> Seven sons of Sceva, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth, come out. And the demon said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who the hell are you? (laughs) Whoa, whoa, there we are. We're there right now. We're on the threshold, beloved. A breakthrough, and part of it is demons that already know who someone. If you are a king, you don't need to yell. You can whisper a command. Kill them all. What? Kill them all. Guess what? They're all going to die because the king just said, if you're the president you don't need to yell, you can whisper. True authority does not need to raise its voice ever. And we're coming into a time of silent power. You've heard me say it before. Snow falls all night, bends down the strongest tree, doesn't make a sound. The sun warms the entire earth, doesn't make a sound. The dew waters the earth every morning. doesn't make a sound. Solomon's temple rose for seven years. Not one sound was heard of a hammer hitting a stone. They were all quarried off place, and they were quietly put up in place. You know, we equate power with bim, bang, boom in the Disneyland fireworks. C.S. Lewis said, it's not the fireworks. Love is not the fireworks. It's the flame that heats your tea. That's true love. When everything's said and done, you just want to be with someone you want to be with. Just hold hand. I'll hold your hand, baby. Woo. Woo. <laughs> That's a flame that heats your tea. Whoa. You know, there could be occasional fireworks. As I'm not against it. I'm not again it, as Lincoln would say. But do you see? True authority doesn't need to yell because demons know. And by the way, Demons, why do they show up? You know, I was reading the book of Acts the other day and Paul was followed around by a demon-possessed girl that said, these are prophets of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. These are pro-. And Paul turned around and said, shut up and come out of her because he did not need the testimony of irritating demons. He cast the devil out and it says, she, her familiar spirit brought so much money to her masters that they, they, they were the the cause of all Paul's problems in Ephesus. Because no one is buying their idols, and their little girl couldn't tell the future anymore, which wasn't really telling the future. It was just an invisible little boy or girl demon that can tell you everything about you. And we Christians are so bloody gullible to that. It was authentic. must have been God. Oh, honey, an invisible boy could find out a lot about you. What would you do if you were an invisible boy? First go to the high school shower. No, no, that's not the answer. It was when I was 14. <laughs> have some of you matured a little bit with your invisible boyness, girlness fantasies? Okay, good. Hopefully, you would realize if you were invisible, you could see things and know things and track things. And then you could give that information to a person who will like flare it up with, they'll put a blindfold on and they'll touch a lighter. This lighter belongs to someone named Sue. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell? They have a familiar spirit telling them. They don't have Peter Popov's actual mic in their ear. But they do. <laughs> Remember that? The amazing Randy went just with a with mechanism and found his wife going, the woman's name is Mary to your left. Guess what? Demons aren't doing a supernatural thing. They're doing a superspatial thing. They're just invisible boys and girls that know information. Your underwear is in the lowest drawer by your handgun. Whoa, let's worship this, whatever it is. <laughs> It's most the body of Christ. And they give you a candle of the Virgin Mary and St. Germain, and they want you to, and you wind up doing crazy things because it's authentic. There's a big difference between authentic manifestation and source. Who did it? You always have to ask, who did this? (laughs) Like we do in the house. Who did this? My mother thought if if you would answer that question, the mess was gone. I always said, Mom, don't fix the blame. Fix the problem. Another gleaning. All right. Hebron. Next. So the Hittites, they gave it to... They, Abraham bought it for 400 shekels of silver. It was just some ridiculous, like two bucks he bought it for. But they said, Abraham, we love you so much as the Hittite nation. We trust you and all you represent. We want to give you the cave of Machpelia where you're going to bury all your re- relatives. We want to give you all of Hebron. We want to give you all the forests surrounding it. And Abraham said, look, let's just... Let a little money. Here's your two dollars. And guess what he bought in Hebron in his the intimate friend of God? He bought the place where he would be buried, his wife would be buried, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Leah, all buried in Hebron. This is the burial place of the dust of all the matriarchs and patriarchs of the history of God's work in the world. And Caleb said, put my roots in that ground. Because, you know, roots do feast on everything in the cycle of nature that brings life and death. Can you imagine? Hebron represented the condensed mother wit and father wit of a lifetime. You want your roots in a place like that? Plant me there, Lord. Hebron was a holy place. Not only that. whoo! Selah. Hebron also became the priestly city given to the Kohathites. The Kohathites. Do you remember who the Kohathites were? They were the guys that carried the Ark of the Covenant and the sacred pieces of redemptive furniture on their shoulders. They were the portion of the priests that were able to handle the holiest things. Hebron was their city. The shoulder, the key of government, swords, uh, keys, uh, uh, scepters, they all were hung from the shoulder of the authority in God. So the coathites took Hebron over, the holiest group of guys that carried the holiest stuff in the world. Beloved, your roots are about to be planted in some sacred crazy ground. Crazy. From the power of God to the burial of the matriarchs and patriarchs, all their wisdom. Uh, it's a holy site, and God has not allowed your pot to be broken until you come to your Hebron. Because if you just broke your pot and threw you in a slough, No, if I were running things, that's what would happen. Okay, uh, bring the crane. Lift me out of the pot. Break it. Okay, drop me right here. Into a slough with mud. and yeah. If Craig was in charge, you would all be in the slough. Great principle, break the pot. I heard Pastor Craig's teaching. So we're going to use all of our human means to break. No, Jesus has the hammer who's breaking your pot. Not your brother or your sister, thank God. I always say, give him the pruning knife. He's the only one you trust. They'll cut your throat. Jesus cuts to heal, but they <laughs> let me think. Michael did that the other day. Vicky clips his nails every week. <laughs> Seems like a lie to me. I go down and I go, hello baby. Daddy loves his boy. And he goes, shh, shh, does this with his fingernails. Blood's coming down my forehead. I have a gash on my cheek. And I go, hey, you want your diapers changed, pal? You want dinner? You know, I got blood dripping on me onto him, and he's laughing. He's going, he didn't mean it. And you didn't mean most all that you've done in your life, too. I didn't mean it. The Kohathites, these are the shoulder guys. These are the guys that know what it feels like to have the throne of God in their shoulders and the glory cloud right above it hanging on the... We're about to walk into holy stuff we have never dreamt of. We've never conceived of. And that's where God is planting your roots. Not in a slough. That's it. See, if you are in control of your pot breaking or your friends or your mama... I know God wanted you to be a lawyer, so we're going to break your pot and put you in legal school. It's like, oh, mom, mom. (laughs) Aren't you glad He's kept you so long? And He is the one that is going to remove your God made roots. And the ground is holy ground. Mm, It's fruitful. There's olives and grapes and oil and water and vines and pomegranates and what's fruitful. And it was the tallest place. You know, I did a teaching years ago called Training for Reigning, okay? Four, series, four sermons on the life of David, and it was very simple. It was four stages to his exaltation. It was Bethlehem, faithful in natural things, and we found out that David was raised, first of all, as a responsible young shepherd, and he was faithful in the natural things God gave him, because if you're not faithful in a little, God will never give you. A lot, right? So the first was faithful and natural things. The next one was Adulam, meeting needs while you're in need. He went, was running from Saul, and he found 600 guys that were all depressed and debt-ridden and, and on meds and drunks and wet, the worst lot. And he takes 600 men, and they go to the cave of Adulam. And Adullam was the cave. It represented you meeting needs of others when you're in need yourself. David was needy, but he had to meet the needs of these people. Have you ever been so exhausted? because you're meeting everybody's needs and nobody's meeting yours. That's faithfulness in a dullum. faithfulness in need. How many of you have had to learn to be faithful in natural things? Oh. See, if you skip that, you didn't tag first base and you don't go home and score. Evie Hill had an old ter- sermon called touch first, because if you don't touch first and you run second, third and slide in and touch your foot on home base, you didn't score. You got to go back and touch first. So <laughs> David was faithful in natural things. He was faithful in need, but he had a mob. They couldn't, they couldn't be used for great things until he shaped them. And then third, he went to Hebron. Mm-hmm. Next point about Hebron. It wasn't just the city of Kohathites and priests. It wasn't just the sacred city of the burial place, of the patriarchs matriarchs. It wasn't just the home of the friend of God who, who, who heard from God on that site. Marked by his life word, it was also the city of the king. Ooh. Remember King David? First Saul loved him, and then Saul was jealous of him. Jealousy and envy is a prominent assault of the enemy in this time. You don't need to guard against anything else except that. Who would be jealous of me and envious? You would be shocked who's jealous of you. But they'll never call it what it is, pride, arrogance, jealousy, envy. They won't. They'll call it something else. You know, I've just been grieved in my spirit about you. Put spiritual terms on it, right? No, no, you're just envious. You're just pride. It's pride. It's envy. You're jealous. You wish you had what I have. I'm so sorry. I didn't got a crazy. Favor ain't fair. I've got it. You don't. I'm sorry. So, So guard against this. Always be aware that you are dealing with envy. Well, David was pursued for 16 years. He's running and running, and God kept him. God allowed him to live. He was almost dead like five times. God always spared him. But here's the point. When the Bible says Saul died, and David said, shall I go up into Judah? And God said, yes, go to Hebron. And in Hebron, for the first time, David sat down on a throne. The first time. He's not running. He's not being chased. He, he, God delivered him before. He had authority before. But now in Hebron, he came to rest for the first time and now warfare was a totally different thing. Can you imagine warfare from a posture of rest? Hi, could I have a Diet Coke with lemon and uh, a side of sprouts? Peel every other sprout and uh, destroy all those principalities over there in Calabasas. Thank you. When you're enthroned, that happened in Hebron, when you're at rest... And when your ministry life is from a posture of rest now, you'll continue to have battles, but they're different. The whole thing is turned around. Dennis always says, when David sat down on that throne, it was a whole new ball game. He was in charge. He wasn't a thermo- thermos- thermometer reflecting his environment. He became a thermostat controlling his environment from a throne. For seven and a half years, David was planted for the first time in Hebron where Caleb's roots, for the first time, hit the God-made ground. Oh, there's a pedigree to Hebron. Sometimes you walk by ground and you have no idea what the history of it is. You can come in my bedroom and you will walk by historical items and you have no idea what it is you just knocked over. Oh, God. There was a crash the other night. We were watching Stranger Things. and After one episode, there was a crash in my bedroom. Boom. <laughs> the whole thing, I'm like, Brooke and I jumped off the couch, right? Guess what it was? It was my dollhouse. I bought a glass presentation box with a door that has all my most valuable collectibles from Napoleon's house, (laughs) the wallpaper from Napoleon's death room in Longwood, everything that fell off onto the ground into a million pieces. And I went to my room, and I went, no, and it went way off the dog barking in the distance, right? Now, let me just calm you. It didn't injure anything. just broke my doll box. So I I swept it up. I made a spiritual act out of it. I put every piece. I I had Brooke behind me. I said, honey, here, here are the cannonballs from Waterloo. Here's Napoleon's hair. Here's the piece from his home in Longwood, the dining room. Here's just a piece of the dollhouse that has nothing to do with anything. Are you sifting through things nowadays? I will preach anything. <laughs> so immediately I said, the devil, I said, shut up, devil. And I went on eBay and I ordered a bigger one that is going to be here Tuesday. And that's going up on the wall. And it's bigger and better than the last thing the devil does. <laughs> I'll take a picture of it and let you see it. See, the devil wanted to break my heart and it didn't. <laughs> I'm just going bigger and better. Amen. Go bigger, go home, right? Ooh. Next Hebron is so do you see just the David thing alone? Let 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 me just say another thing about David and Hebron, Hebron being the city of the king. And um at Hebron is where all the power came to David. David was Chased around, David had a hit on his life for sixteen years. And at Hebron, God brought to him. You don't need to go looking for it. God, you ever notice? You look for a ladybug, can't find one. Fall asleep in the field. You wake up, they're all over you. That's a kingdom principle. Quit trying to get power come to me <laughs> in the name. <laughs> David had to wait 16 years, but listen to what happened at Hebron. Let me just read it. These are the numbers of the armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. Judah carrying shield and spear, 6,800 armed men. Simeon, warriors, 7,100. Levi, (laughs) 4,600. Benjamin, 3,000. Those who remained mostly loyal to Saul until then. They were loyal to Saul on a Sunday, and this was a Monday. Ephraim, 20,800 men. Manasseh, 18,000 men. Issachar, 200 chiefs. Well quality not quantity zebulun 50,000 naphtali 1,000 together 37,000 men carrying shields and spears asher 40,000 men from the east reuben gad the half tribe of manasseh 120,000 men they came to hebron fully determined to make david king over all israel and all the rest of israelites were also of one mind to make david king (gasps) all the power came to him when you are planted in the ground and you get out of your pot, not only are you gonna take root downward and bear fruit upward, but you are going to see power accrue to you, favor come to you, anointing knock on your door. Beloved, you can't push a piece of string. You pull a piece of string. Do you know how many years in ministry they told you, get your best picture and your best a slot of your best message? And oh, Craig, you sing put a little bit of that, use that song, all of this for love. And then what you do is you just go in and you just sort of say, here's a little thing. I hope that you might uh, consider my ministry humping, pumping, manipulating control. We're back in Egypt, pumping with our foot, trying to get water to go somewhere. It's not born to go. (laughs) I did that too, because I was taught that's how you do it. But guess what? Nope. Nope. David just served the Lord faithfully. He sat down for the first time on his throne, put his roots in Hebron, and all the power came to him and landed on him. The same people that were trying to kill him for 16 years were saying, you are bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, David. And David's going, "Mm mm-hmm, like Marie says, "Mm mm-hmm. Some folk, even when they come back, you put a circle around their name. Your majesty, I never doubted you for a moment. I was always your secret supporter. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Power accrues by God through his anointing in his season. Praise the Lord. Someone say amen just for that. And I'll close this out soon. And if you believe that, I have some land in Georgia later that I can interest you in. Next, Hebron was a city of refuge. It was a sanctuary for the unintentional manslayer. Beloved, did you know God gave 48 cities to the Levitical priests? But God said, I want six of those cities. And I want three on one side of Jordan, three on the other side, western side, eastern side. These were cities where if you... Let's say you're out chopping wood with your relatives the, and, and, and the blade breaks off and you hit your Uncle Bob and he drops dead. Or you're, you're cleaning the church and you're at church and you, you bump into Aunt Lulu and she goes down 20 flights of stairs and breaks her neck. What do you do? If it's not murder, but it's manslaughter. Well, God said, I want to set six cities up. And each of them no further than 28 miles from wherever you are in Israel. There were six of them. And this was the city you were to flee to, the refuge, the safety point, if you unintentionally killed someone. Why? Because he was called the, the kinsman redeemer. Actually, he was also the goel, the avenger of blood. I, by mistake, kill your brother. You are the avenger of blood for your family, Jeff, and you have to come after me. You have to kill me. So immediately, Jeff is the avenger of blood for his brother, grabs his gun, his rifle, whatever he's got back then, probably a stick and a broom and, and a hatchet. And he's coming after me. Where is Craig going to go? If Craig stands there and goes, you know, I didn't really mean it, and you don't understand and we could have Dexter coming and do a forensic analysis. I, I It was a mistake. I pushed your mom down the stairs. Sure, but I didn't mean to. She was rude, and she bent over, and my butt hit hers, and she fell down. He's going to kill me. The Avenger of Blood doesn't want to hear anything. God said, I want six cities anywhere in Israel. If you unintentionally, with second-degree murder, kill someone, you can run. Now, here's the thing. Roads had to be built to each of the cities of refuge. They had to be kept plain and clean at all times. There were signs every way on a road to say, Golan, this way. The names are magnificent. Kodesh, Shechem, Hebron, Bizer, Ramot, Golan. They all have specific meanings. But each city, when you ran, you, you don't have time to go. Is it right or left? When you got to a crossroads in life, do I turn ra- right or left or your left or my right? There would be a sign posted at every crossroad saying go on 15 miles hebron six miles so because jeff's after me and he's gaining on me and the acts of justice is going to be caught in my back because he will not listen to my explanation so there had to be a safe place you could go as a haven wh- in every city of refuge no more than 28 miles away, all the roads were maintained and kept clear. There were signs and roads to lead you there, and the doors were always open. And if I, as a manslayer, could run, and Jeff is still behind me like a cartoon, we're both running two miles an hour, amen. But if I get in those open doors of Hebron, they're going to close them, and the axe of justice that Jeff is throwing is going to be caught in the door of mercy. And then they're going to have a trial t- to see what happened. And if they try me and find out, the axe had slipped. It was an old piece of wood. He killed his relative by mistake. Then I could live in that city of refuge free of your assault forever until the high priest died. Do you hear anything about maybe the gospel of Jesus Christ in there? He is our safety. He is our city of refuge. We can run to him, and he himself will protect us, and the acts of justice will be caught in the door of mercy. And he himself, whoever lives, our high priest will never die. But if you ever left that city prematurely before the high priest died, Jeff would be waiting outside with his assassins, and he could legitimately kill me. But as long as I'm in a city of refuge, Jeff and his family, God bless you, I wish you the best, they can't touch me. Hebron was such a priestly city. Hebron was a city of refuge. Hebron, Caleb planted his roots in a place so holy, so safe, so beautiful, so secure, the place of accruing power, Abraham's intimacy with God, the collected wisdom of matriarchs, patriarchs, everything in between. Even the Melchizedek folk have hallowed the ground by their trust of God's people. This is the ground that God said, I'm planting your roots there, Caleb. And if you hear, he's planting your roots in Hebron. He's planting your roots in the right place. He's planting your roots to get the proper nourishment. Don't worry, you're going to get everything you need as soon as that pot comes off. Someone say amen. And in conclusion, (laughs) you know, I'm going to let you go home and read about the planted plants and potted plants, it's all in your notes. Those of you watching online, if you don't realize, Mike posts not only these messages, but he posts all the messages with the sermon notes. So you can go on our site when he posts this, all right, later, and you can click the sermon notes and everything I said and didn't get to say is on the notes. So you preachers can hear it twice, master it, read it, memorize and go bless the people cooking it up your way. Afalino obey in Nigeria said, Dr. Craig, I get all your stuff and I cook it up. I cook it up, Nigerian. I have to cook it up a bit. <laughs> Caleb was the apex of loyalty, faithfulness, determination, integrity, and he finished well. Oh, beloved, what might you see? If your God-made roots hit the God-made ground of Hebron, I can tell you, you're going to see everything you've never seen before and cannot, by conception, me- get a mental picture of. Do you know you cannot get a mental picture of a dimension you can't experience? I can say, Give me a, get a mental picture of a thousand-sided figure right now. How's that working for you? You can predicate truth of it mathematically. You cannot get a mental picture of a thousand-sided figure. You can apprehend it, but you can't comprehend it. So you don't need to comprehend and know everything about where you're going. But all you need to know is you've never been here before. You've never been out of your pot for one service. I'm talking to preachers, prophets, kings in the kingdom, triple threat people. You have been doing all the signs and wonders and everything up until now in a pot. And if it's that good, what could God do when you're not a potted plant but a planted plant? You may see some things you've never seen. You may hear some things you've never heard. You might actually drop your arrogance and begin to grow again. You may stop envying everybody else. You know, envy is seen by criticizing others. When you see a critical person, you know they're an envious person. They won't ever tell you that. I'm telling you that. The root is envy. The fruit is, eh, you know, gone with the wind. It's, It's long. You know, it was that kind of... That 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 person envied Vivian Lee watching Scarlett O'Hara. Oh I wish I looked like that. Oh, she's gorgeous. How do you like it? Mm. You know, it's no Jesus of Nazareth, you know. Anything you bring up they demean. Why? Because they're envious and they're jealous and that's the truth. But you don't need to compare your little roots with anyone's roots or your pot with anyone's pot. Someone have mega church pots. It's okay. Those are breaking too. There are going to be shards everywhere. Do you know in Rome there is an absolute mountain? And it's a man-made mountain, and it's made of all the wine shards and all the oil shards. It's an entire mountain in downtown Rome. They would take, they had so much produce coming through that they would take the pots, break them, and throw them down. And it is is it it is a man-made hill, but it's a hill. It's a mountain, actually. And it's pure shards. And I thought, that mountain is going up even as I speak. God's building a mountain out of shards. Because you know whenever you see a shard that someone, as their God made roots hit in the ground and they're finally tasting fruit at Jack and the Beanstalk speed. Thank you, Jesus. Even the broken shard is a testimony to your freedom, your deliverance, your healing. Everything you've been longing for isn't going to be found when God promised it in your pot. It's going to be fulfilled in the ground. And by the way, all the people that you've been praying to come into your life, they're waiting for you in the ground. They're not in pots anymore. You know, some people are prematurely ahead of you. They've let God break their pot. They're already in the ground. You you, you can't run around in your pot and find them because they're planted in the ground. Category mistake. Don't go to potted plant ministries anymore right now because they're just about to be demolished. Plant your roots in God-made ground where he leads you. And it may look strange, small, like Hebron. But when you learn the history, the backstory of Hebron, you go nuts. You go roots in Hebron, what? I can't believe it. You know, I am so delighted about collecting little historical items. They're a big deal to me. But, you know, God always sort of gives me a flash. He goes, Craig, honey, you are so pleased with crumbs. He goes, What if you get to heaven and you can meet Napoleon? Yeah. Meet the Apostle Paul. It's like, What? Whoa. <laughs> And this, this little cannonball was dug up from the Battle of Waterloo. Now, let me tell you all about Waterloo. And then you get to go to heaven and meet everybody that died in the battle. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all, Craig. Everything you read in books is wrong. Heaven is wonderful. There, <laughs> I'm glad I'm grateful for manna. Amen. I'm glad I've got a good childlike spirit. But you know what? Eye has not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for Craig Johnson but I'm so addicted to crumbs and God wants to give me the bakery. Could God expand our hearts? Father, we thank you right now for our ground, Hebron. We thank you, Lord, that each of us are right now slowly being graciously removed from our pots so that our root system, our bound up root system can be gently placed in healthy ground. And thank you it's going to be good ground. No premature breaking that will drop us in a slough or a dump somewhere. That's the devil, and we cast him out. Lord, the, the potted plants are breaking, and the planted plants are now going to have their first moment of seeing new things they've never seen before. Lord, for my dear brother who loves you and has been following you for years, Lord, eh, but he's, he's, he's his eyes are closed, he, he's feeling his way. Father, let my brother have hope and encouragement that he is about to see, taste, feel, hear, understand, and perceive things he's never dreamt possible. And you can make a pro blush, Lord. You're still a God who can make a pearl merchant blush over his new acquisition. You can still excite us. You can still surprise us. You can still do the best with the last part of our life than you did with the first part of our life, God. Bring Hebron to my brother, Lord. For my precious sister, Lord, her tender roots, you protected her all these years. She feels like sometimes she's been sidelined, but you actually were protecting her. You actually were protecting her. You actually were saving her from harm. We we welcome that truth, Lord. And we thank you that you're going to be extra delicate in removing your daughters and their roots from their pots, Lord. That this is not a violent, <sighs> assaulting thing that's happening. It's a surgical, it's Dr. Strange removing a bullet from a head. It, it, it's intimate surgery done with respect and with dignity. And thank you, you're going to maintain the dignity of your daughters, Lord as you break their pots and remove them and put them in good ground, Lord. And I thank you for my sisters, Lord. They are not going to be harmed or abused or if they lose control of their pot. There's nothing. They will not be violated, harmed, hurt. You never do that. And we thank you, Lord, that you will protect all of my sisters, Lord, as they are in this transition intimate time of leaving a pot, going to the ground, that they will not be harmed in between. The devil is a liar. And I cast that lie out in Jesus' name. If you're vulnerable, you are not going to be harmed. If you open up all that you are, you are not going to be assaulted. If you yield at the altar and kneel down before God, you are not going to be abused. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you that all the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve can humble themselves can bow before you at your altar and you will bless them with dignity, uh, blessing, hope, encouragement in a safe and wonderful way, Lord. And we pray that you do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all my brother and sister can even ask or think. But Lord, give them fantasies of Hebron. I'm going to Hebron. My roots are going to Hebron. I'm going to this multifaceted place that I've never seen before. Someone say amen. Can you give the Lord some praise? That's all right. You'll sit in a a two-and-a-half-hour movie and pay for it and pay the same amount to eat. Could I have a small Diet Coke? That'll be $572, please. No problem. I'm out. Would you like something? Small popcorn, $89.50. So if I hold you less than two hours (laughs) and don't even ask for anything... You're going <laughs> to smile and nod your head, amen, amen, like a dog in the back of a 57 Chevy. Ooh, ooh whoa. <laughs> Hebron, 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 Hebron. Now, you know I started talking about David. Let me just finish my point. Bethlehem was faithfulness in natural things. Adullam was faithfulness in need. But David went to Hebron, which was the place of intimacy and association. And once he had intimate association with God and God had brought all of his power to him and bonded all of his men to him, it says they took Mount Zion in one day. What's Mount Zion? Jerusalem. It had been held by the Jebusites. They could not take it. And David said, we need to take. I'm. I. I. I've been seven and a half years in Hebron. My roots are happy, but I'm supposed to ultimately be planted in Jerusalem. Uh, let's go take it. And 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 the Jebusites had never been accosted, and they shouted down David. Even the handicap could keep you from coming in here. No one has ever taken Zion, and the Bible says after they had. Matured in Hebron in covenant love and commitment and their character grew to match their gifts. It says in one day they took Zion. In one day after Hebron. After the roots were planted in Hebron. So God is bringing you to a place that is going to be the final place before you take all the high places no one's ever been able to take. By the way, Caleb was the only one that could ever take Hebron. And he did, not by yelling, not by shouting, just by walking, because his God-made feet had just touched the God-made ground, and the very presence of Caleb drove the demons out without an argument, without a battle. It's who you are. It wasn't Caleb's gifts, abilities, talents, whatever, his intelligence. He was the gift in God's hand. He, Caleb, was the instrument in the hand of God. It wasn't that he was Steve Stunning or Rufus Glitterteeth. He was God's instrument. And that's you. The only ability you need is availability. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. I'm so excited about your word. It's a deep well, Lord. And we'll continue to wade in that well next week. And we'll continue to just allow our roots to just percolate all week long in Hebron, Hebron, Hebron. Beloved, go through all the facets of the diamond of Hebron, every one of them. Write them out your own way, but meditate on them. This is where my roots are going to be planted. It's a new day for me. Because you didn't determine your gifts and abilities, you discovered them. God determined them, you discovered them. He put them in you, He put those longings in you, He put those talents and abilities in you. You just discovered them, He determined them. You didn't come up with them. So, any promise He's put in you, He's determined and he will not allow you to pass into death until you fulfill the will of God for your generation. Someone say amen. It's not too late. You're not too old. Caleb was 85 and said, I'm just as spry as the day I saw Hebron for the first time. you got to love Caleb the dog. (laughs) He was faithful and loyal. Father, I thank you, my sisters and brothers. We are all going to finish well. We are all going to know the luxurious feeling of bearing fruit, taking root downward and bearing fruit upward in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.